This is Richard Lanius, and you're listening to Rolling Dice, Taking Names. Welcome back to Rolling Dice and Taking Names, proud member of the Dice Tower Network. This is episode 31, Muskrat Love. I'm Tony. Really? You stuck with that name? Well, I just wanted to see your reaction, okay? Oh <laughs> hey, and this is Marty. Okay. So this I saw on the podcast notes, this is originally uh, When Dragons Fly? No, it's actually, this is episode 31, Where Dragons Rule. Well, Dragons Rule, but... And then I saw something about you posted, was it my Facebook page? Yes. That I'm going to call our next episode Muskrat Love. I thought, oh, he's kidding. No. Well, that was in honor of, well, not in honor of, it was in sadness for the divorce of Captain Antoniel. <laughs> you started it. You're the one who posted it on the Facebook. And I said, hey, I'll go with that. Well, because I was making a joke. It was like they've gotten, they've gotten divorced after 40 years. And I just said, you know, I guess love really couldn't keep them together. Uh, see, there you go, going back to uh, one of their other sh- songs. But, you know, we've embraced the song titles. So I was able to find one for this show, because in this show, we've got two... Muskrats? No, I told you, episode 31, it's Where Dragons Rule. That's oh, the name that we're it. going That's the name we're going with. I, I just got one more. I guess uh, Tennille's going to shop around. I've seen that so many places. Oh, okay. Well, that's the only three songs I know from them, so I'm done. Okay, thank goodness. Okay. I, wouldn't even, I couldn't even do that. I was just happy to come up with muskrat love um so anyway but you do know what captain's real name was don't you um i heard it yesterday i can't i can't remember daryl dragon oh look at there it's a tie-in there you nice go nice job did you realize that i didn't know this either he was a keyboardist for the beach boys no i did and not And she was a backup singer no i did not neil sadaka discovered them and said you two need to go out on your own and did you ever watch the variety show I did, and I heard yesterday it was on for like one year, well, okay. and it was really bad. Yeah, I'm sure it was, trying to follow up with Donnie and Marie, but oh, okay. Marie. So once, mm, there you go. Childhood crush. Yeah, well, we won't even go there. And this is a podcast not on board gaming, obviously, so <laughs> <laughs> what can we say? Oh, by the way, um, I don't know if y'all can't tell, but we're actually recording face-to-face, which is one of those rare situations we get to do, so. Yes, and we did that back when our families were all gone all on spring break and marty and i sat along old uh married men sitting around so said hey let's podcast tonight is kind of different because we're actually going to be working on the videos tonight and marty's game room and that's going to be interesting uh yeah um we've got some scripts yes and uh we'll, we'll see how this goes Yes, we will. And for those of you who watch me on YouTube, I'm still only 2.2 million behind the um, polar bear walking. So please go out there and view me some more. Um, hopefully the green screen won't be as bad as it was in the YouTube video. Oh, no, we're not going to use green screen, like green screen technology to start with. Okay, well, good. It's too high tech. I know. But you don't have a green screen. No, I actually do have one in there. You just can't see it in the other room. It's oh, actually okay. set up. Okay, well, there we go. We can do that. But back to what we were saying. This is a special episode. Um, we have two game designers on that we did an interview with, uh, Robert Burks and Richard Lanius. Burks. Why did I say Burks? I don't know. But anyway. Robert, you, did, you didn't say Lanius's. No, I didn't. But Robert Burke and Richard Lanius in their new game, uh, Dra- Draco Magi. Is that right? Did I get it right? Yeah. Okay. He's looking at me like <laughs> uh, go with it. Dude. I remember. It's funny. I asked the question during the interview. Uh-huh. 
Draco or Draco? I think it's Draco. We have it fixed in the interview. Yes. Whatever it is, it's it's it, we, it's addressed in the interview because I asked that question. And just saw today, I mean, by the time this episode comes out, you should be getting ready for Kickstarter. I saw where Robert posted on the page that it's up for approval. I think he's gotten everything ready to go and it's ready to hit the Kickstarter. So by the time this comes out, y'all should be able to get over to the Kickstarter page and take a look at it. Um, what else we got going on? Well, you, you went down to Scarab in Columbia. Is that I correct? did. I did. We'll spend a little bit of time talking about that. Just to throw out a bunch of games I got to play that I haven't played before. Some of them that I finally got to play that everybody else have played that I haven't. And no, it wasn't Agricola. No, it wasn't Agricola. Okay. And you got, what was it? There was one that I can't wait to hear about. I think that was, um, Oh, what was it? Oh, Battlestar. That's what it was. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to the Battlestar discussion that we're going to have. And other than that, uh, it's just been cold as whiz. Holy cow. I tell you what, it's a good thing that we put that discussion out last, what, two weeks ago about what would you play if you're stuck inside for six plus? Oh, the at the table question. At the table. We, won't, yes. we, we still got some time on that, I believe. Right. And we have our bonus at the table that I posted out there for a future episode. Right. Okay. And I can't remember what it was. It was, what are your favorite two-player games? <laughs> yeah, it's like, what are your favorite two-player games, even if it's not a two-player game, but you still like to play it as a two-player, but it doesn't have to be strictly two-player? Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't have to be. Okay, well, I mean, my case in point, in the example I used, Sorry. Sorry is more than a two-player, but some people just enjoy playing Sorry as a two-player. Why do you keep going back to Sorry as an example of games? Are you infatuated with not that sorry, game? I'm sorry, Scrabble. Okay, Scrabble. yes, yes. Scrabble. Yeah. I'm okay. sorry, Scrabble on that. So, yeah. Um, and sorry, I played a ton, ton when Rebecca was little. Holy cow, we had two or three versions of Sorry Disney. I forget. Oh, and the Sorry one with the little guy talks to you and you hit his little head. The card game Sorry. Sorry, Re- sorry Revenge. As, as, I'm shrugging my shoulders. I know, I, yeah, I know. It's this, he's the little palm that talks to you. And then he says, and he makes fun of you. Come on, we don't have all night. He talks about, you know, a perfect example of analysis paralysis. Speaking of which, Marty's looking at me. Okay. How much time are you going to waste on this? <laughs> as much as needed. So anyway, what, what shirt is that? It'll show up in the video. You just need to calm down. What? I'm sitting what? here looking at it. It's got Lego people, yep. Star Wars, yep. a Pokemon. Uh-huh. Uh, Dragon. Where did you find that? Um, I ordered it online because I saw it and I thought it was awesome. It like covers all the different types of, of geekery and pop culture in one shirt. Going Yeah, okay. Yeah, Doctor Who, yep. Green Lantern, yep. iPhones. Yep. Um, what's the 25 cent? Oh, Pong. Yeah. Or no, Space, Ar- space Ar- and Arcades. Arcade games. And NES. Okay. Yep. Interesting shirt. Where'd you get that? Uh, I can't remember. I got it online. But I thought this would be a good shirt for the first video. That is a good shirt. And I just wore a drab old uh, sweatshirt. Oh, well. Okay. Anyway, so <clears throat> anything else, man, before we get over to our interviews? No, I think that's, I think that's pretty exciting. It was, it was really cool to get this worked out. Just, just a little bit of uh, ba- uh, background. Uh, Robert uh, Burke is in our area, and he comes to our play group every so often. And, and we've got to play test a few of his other games, and we got to play test this one about maybe a month ago, month and a half ago. And uh, it's a really great game. And we asked him, I said, would uh, you and Richard be interested in coming on and talking about it? And he said, uh, let me, he said, let me talk to Richard. Got him on. And it was like, uh, it was, it's, a really, it's a really great interview. It's, it's great. Uh, you got a t- chance to meet Richard at uh, Gen Con last year, right? Oh, yeah. Great guy. He even came up to me and says, that's a nice-looking T-shirt, the Rolling, Rolling Dice and Taking Names T-shirt. And I was, it was so cool. He remembered me. That was so cool. 
What, during the interview? Yeah, I asked him prior to the interview. He goes, I said, do you remember me at Gen Con? He goes, yeah. He's just being nice. I know. Stop it. So anyway, <laughs> anyway, back to Robert Burke. Yes, continue. Anyway, okay. so that's how we have a connection uh, with him because we actually got to play the game um, before. It's, uh, plus, a lot of our friends in the game group have been playtesting it for him over the past several months. And it's really, it was interesting to hear how it's kind of developed over that time. But how about, how about enough of us? Why don't we just go ahead and get to the interview and let them talk about the game instead of us? So here is Robert Burke and Richard Launius talking about Draco Magi or Draco Magi. So in this episode, we are so excited to have two very special guests on the show to talk about a new game that's going to be coming out on Kickstarter uh, very soon. Tonight we have on the show designers Robert Burke and Richard Launius. Hey guys, how y'all doing? Hey fellas. Hey, we're doing good. Great, great. Before we really get into this great game that Tony and I had a chance to play, we actually want to hear just a little bit some about your background and, and maybe some of the uh, the games other games you designed in, in the past. Robert, why don't you kick us off? Hey, well, my name is Robert Burke, and I'm lucky to live in the same area as uh, Rolling Dice and Taking Names. Um, and I have uh, designed a few games so far in my very short career as a game designer. I've got a family game called Cartoona. Uh, that's out there, and there's an expansion for that. I also have um, another family adventure game called Gnomes, The Great Sweeping of Amawan, which is kind of like Elf on the Shelf on, on steroids. Uh, then I have a uh, party game called The Offensive Band Name Generator, and I have a card game, a medieval kind of uh, card game called Battle for Souls that was that was just released. So um, this will be my, I think it's my fifth my fifth game, um, that Draco Magi that I've uh, been working with with Richard, working on with Richard for the last year with Richard. Well, for a guy that's really new to game designing, you should do have a lot of games. Yeah, I'm busy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great. Richard, how about a little bit about yourself? Well, I've been designing games for some time, so I've got a uh, quite a few, just to name a couple of them. Arkham Horror, Elder Sign, Defenders of the Realm. Those are probably the, the most known that I've got out there. And I've, I've got several others. Ace Detective came out last year and Pirates vs. Dinosaurs and got a whole bunch of them on the, uh, about ready to come out, so. Yeah, I know, Richard, we had you on the show from the Gen Con episode. How, how is the Legends of the American Frontier going? Where, where is that in, with Game Salute? That one should be out at Gen Con. I think it's going to debut there. So that'll be out then. Uh, Alien Uprising will come out hopefully at uh, Origins. And Run, Fight, or Die will also come out at Gen Con. So I've got uh, those coming out as well as then we've got Draco Magi. I think you're shooting for Gen Con, aren't you, Robert? Yes. That looks like what I've got. And then, of course, the Minions expansions for Four Defenders of the Realm will come out this year, uh, probably around the, the Origins timeline. Well, actually before Origins, I believe. So uh, I've got four that are actively on the process of coming out. And, you know, guys, we don't have enough bandwidth, really, for Richard to list all the games that he's designed. <laughs> so 
<laughs> well, I know it's a lot. And there's, I mean, you guys, both of you have done a lot of great games, but we're here to discuss the brand new game that you guys have collaborated on called Draco, Draco Magi or Draco Magi? Draco Magi. Dra- Although... Yeah, although the voiceover uh, talent I got was British, and he in the Kickstarter video when you see it, uh, he calls it Draco Magi, oh. which I guess is okay, you know, Paris, Perry, you know, whatever. But um, <laughs> but I call it Draco Magi. All right, so why don't you tell us a little bit about this game? What is it all about? Well, the game is, you know. It's you are uh, a dragon mage apprentice, and the whole premise is that the Draco Magi, he's the leader, right? He is the dragon king. He has died, and it's down to two apprentices to compete. There is a competition to determine who will rise to power, who will become the new Draco Magi. So the game is all about using dragons, and in the game there are ten different dragons, uh, and we've got four other dragons that we've uh, fully play tested into the game um, that we hope to include in the in the base game. Um, and you are going to command those dragons to different battlefields throughout the kingdom. And those battlefields are also represented by cards. Uh, and each battlefield has a different uh, effect. So some of them are helpful to certain dragons. There's modifiers, right? And some of them are are hurt certain kinds of dragons, so that kind of changes up your strategy every time you're placing dragons to the battlefield. And each battlefield has a gem on it. And to win the game, you need to collect three different colors of gems, or three of the same color gem, or four different color gems. And you do that by uh, the first phase is where you're placing dragons on the battlefields, alternating between players, and that's when you're going to do your ranged breath attacks, um, and then after all the dragons are down, then you're going to have a melee battle where the dragons are going to use their, you know, their claws and their teeth to fight each other. And that's where you're playing uh, these battle cards. And you use the battle cards in range attacks, too. Um, Richard kind of came up with this card design, which I really fell in love with, because it's less random than dice, right? Because you can start to count, um, because some of the cards in there, you know exactly how many how many of each the each player starts with. Um, so you can use those in the range attacks, and in the melee attacks, you use them as well. Um, so it becomes a kind of cat-and-mouse battle to defeat the other dragons on that battlefield. And if you succeed, you get the battlefield, which has a gem already on it, and and you collect that gem, and hopefully if you are the first one to get that combination of gems, you win, and you become the new Draco Magi. So that's basically the short version of uh, how the game works. Okay, so so Richard, he just mentioned, Robert mentioned that, you know, you came up with this card idea, because I know in your other games, uh, Elder Science, it's the dice rolling. The card concept, what was the thought process behind that? Well, actually, the, my, my, my first thought process was to put dice in it, and, and I tried dice, and dice worked pretty well for the range combat, but they didn't really work well for the melee combat. So we discussed that, and I came up with this different concept, which really basically uses a little bit of deck building uh, in the process, but it becomes much more strategic. So you still get uh, the kind of random attack that, that I wanted to, to achieve for range combat, uh, by using part of the cards when you flip those over, 
But then when you go to the melee combat, there's a whole separate melee system that's added on there. And, and really, we developed it together because I, I, I put it together first, but Robert's being way too modest here because he came up with the idea of doing combos, which, you know, really just made it sing at that point because it was working pretty well. But uh, the, the combos really gave you so many more strategic things to do, both offensively and defensively in the game. So uh, we, we worked on that together. Yeah, speak a little bit to the combos, because there was something that happened when you demonstrated it to me, Robert, that I really enjoyed about the game. But go, uh, lead into a little bit about how the combos work, because I thought that was really a neat concept. Well, you know, we play tested this game a bunch with you know a lot of the local people over here in the Gaston County, um, you know, board gamers club, and you know, I wasn't just looking for people to say, yeah, they like that, because some of them are, I love them because they're brutally honest, right? So, <laughs> so you know, I was so excited about this combo card, and you know how hard it was to tell Richard Launius that, hey, the dice aren't working? <laughs> I can't imagine, because I, I, I love his games, <laughs> your games, Arkham and Elders with the rolling of the dice, and it was like, was it painful to let the dice go? Uh, no, it was not a problem at all. I mean, you know, the, the I, I mean, I, he may have been nervous about telling me, but I certainly had no problem hearing it. I mean, every game goes through a, a number of shifts and changes in the development process, and, and we put this one through probably much more than, than most game companies even, even go through in the process of development, So, uh, which is one of the nice things you got now. You have a game that's extremely well-balanced, extremely strategic, uh, because of all the play testing and, and, uh, and just the development changes. Yeah, so yeah, go ahead, go ahead. So, so, so after I got up the nerve, to, and Richard was very gracious about that, you know, and I just was honest. I'm like, look, the groups they love the dice on the the range combat, but it's just it falls flat on the on the on the melee. And so then he came, you know, he was so cool about it. He's like, well, you know what? I've got this other thing I've worked on. Um, and he came back another couple weeks later with this deck of cards. And we started playing that, and it was way better, and the reaction was way better. But it still didn't have that kind of, like, wow, that was awesome. And that's what we were looking for. And so we started thinking about it, and, you know, we're like, well, what if we had some drafting to this, too? So then we came up, we split the deck up, and then came up with an advanced battle deck. And now there's certain dragon abilities that if you succeed in certain tasks, and there's a draft at the beginning of the game where you can get these advanced battle cards, and they're all better than the base ones, right? So they're going to help you in your ranged attack and your melee attack. So you can draft those and build your deck a little bit. I mean, it's not a deck-building game, but it's got a little bit of deck-building element in it. Um, but then I was, then we I started thinking, I'm like, you know what? It's It feels too... I hate to say warlike, but that's kind of what it felt like. Because, you know, I would play a bite, and the other player would have to play a, a bite to defend against that bite. And it was working better than the dice were. It was it was fun, and it was quick. But then I was like, man, we got to get combos in this game somehow. So we came up with a, a way to add these symbols. It's just a sun or a moon or a star. So if you have... Uh, you can play multiple cards as long as those symbols match. So I could play a bite, a bite, and a claw if they're all moons, for example. And now the defender has to defend with a bite, a bite, or a claw. But then the kicker to that, which kind of really jumped it up a notch, was a flight card that Richard introduced. And this flight card, if I play a flight, 
I avoid that whole combo attack. So, and each player only starts with two flight cards. So you can kind of watch. So as you play a flight card, you can dodge those major attacks, but now your opponent, their risk level goes down because now they know you may only have one left, right? And once you play both of them, then your opponent knows, well, hey, they're open now. I can play combos with impunity. So it's kind of that cat and mouse game where you're really trying to figure out what your opponent has left, um, where you're trying to get their dragons off, kill their dragons uh, before they kill you. Is there a drawback to playing the flight card? Well, sometimes there's a card that'll block it, so you can actually yeah. bind the dragon so he can't fly. But having a flight card, it, you know, is a good one to play. But the question is, when do you play it? Do right. you play it early right. to, to block something, or do you hold on to it thinking they're going to come at you with something? There's a lot more strategy that comes into it when you're looking at the combo combination and then, of course, whether or not your opponent's holding a flight card in their hand or not. Got it. Right. And there's other things, too, like the, the magic card that if you play a magic card as a con- – when you play a magic card, both players are going to get cards equal to the number of cards they played on that turn. I just want to say I love the whole magic mechanic because in a lot of games I've played, whether it be deck building or CCGs, I love the concept of, put, of being able to go through my draw deck and get cards that I want. So was the magic uh, card added most recently or was it something you had in your mind from the beginning? Well, you know what? I've got to give the credit to that, to one of our uh, – Daniel Reed. He, he's in our local Gaston County Board Gamers Club, and he's got some designs, and he's really the lead play tester for me on my side. I knew Richard had a bunch of play testers, but he was the one who really said, you know, this is great, but it just needs it needs something. The magic isn't doesn't feel like it's there yet, and so I thought about it, and then I just got the idea one night when I was really thinking on just that magic card and how it worked. And came up with that idea, and we play tested it and play tested it and tweaked it a little bit, and we just hit it and was like, "Yeah, that's the way this needs to work because it, it's very strategic and it's very cool." So um, we just put it in the can after that. So I got a quick question. I know we're limited time here. So how did this collaboration come about? Just curious. Go ahead, Richard. I, well, actually, uh, we were down at uh, GnomeCon, and and uh, Robert had a game, the Draco Magi. He'd been working on it. He'd played it with a few people. He asked me if I'd like to play it, so I played it with him. And we got done, and he asked me what I thought of it. And I told him I thought it was a very good game, but it just didn't feel like dragons fighting. You know, thematically, it didn't do much for me. I thought he could put it online. It'd be pretty. A lot of Euro players would like it as it was because it had a lot of nice mechanics into it. And uh, he just handed me the box and said, well, would you work on it with me and help me fix it? So, uh, which was nice. So I, I took it home. I put some ideas together, sent them back, and uh, they play tested those, sent them back. Then we, you know, we just started going back and forth at that point, working on working on the game together. And uh, I, I can only speak for me, but I think Robert's very. Ple- we're both very pleased. I think with the way the games come out. Yeah. And, and let me speak to the theme a little bit because Robert, when we demoed it, you know, you talked about the aerial flight and for me and marty and i talked about this a little bit later but just the idea i can just see you know the dragon circling and then you have that ranged attack coming in and how it's not always going to hit and that's what i like about the randomness so they're they're flying around they're trying to hit the guys on the ground well you may or you may not hit so so you you got the theme you can just see the dragons 
going at it when they finally land and, and try to tear into each other. Yeah, the theme you got. I got to give the all the theme stuff to Richard. Richard really brought theme into this game in a big way because when I showed it to him, it was it was an abstract strategy game. My idea was to create a small card game that I could fit in a tuck box, and I really focused on the strategy. But the theme wasn't it wasn't really connected to the theme of dragons, and Richard took that and made it really feel like dragons are fighting. You know, when the range attack comes, you're placing your dragons, you're picking your battlefield, where are you going to send them? When they fly in is when the dragons can make that breath attack, that range attack, um, and you don't always hit with that. If you do hit, you're going to be in much better position for the melee battle, and then the melee battle is really, it's got the claws and the teeth flying and the magic attacks and all that stuff going on. Um, so he really brought the theme in in a big way, and I couldn't be happier with it. So did you purposely almost take the the range attack and have it more of a random uh, type of combat, and then the melee is more of a strategic type of combat? Yes, and 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 realistically, while it's random in the in the uh, uh, ranged combat, there's still a lot of strategy involved. Uh, certain dragons power up on certain battlefields. Some dragons, like the silver dragon, you can't attack at all uh, because they reflect the the attack away from them. So there, there's still a lot of strategy in how you can play game uh, in, in laying the dragons onto the different battlefields when they're making the attacks, whether they have a ranged attack or don't have a ranged attack. And uh, that works very well, but the actual combat piece of that is random, and, and, and I, I think it works very well with, with the ranged attack piece. So I, and, I, and I know that the the bite and the claw and all that, but there was another part of the cards that people you, we haven't talked about, and just want to spend a few seconds on that is at the bottom of them you can do cards you like the reinforcement. That was a, a strategy that I was able to quickly pull where I could move a dragon from one land to another, which allowed me the win. So that right. that was huge. Right. Yeah, there's a lot of little things. I, I mean, we could spend all night talking about all the little subtleties in the game and the different card powers. And every dragon's got their own unique power, right? So they all fit a, a piece of the strategy that you can put together. Um, so you really do learn. And then the battlefields, like Richard said, have different modifiers. So depending on how they come up in the hand of dragons you have at your command really changes your strategy. So um, I think there's a lot of replayability because of that, because of the different you know, the different strategies you can employ um, based on what the battlefields are, the dragons that you get in your hand, and then during the melee battles, the cards uh, that you happen to draw and what combos you can come up with. Um, yeah, and it, exactly, and it's huge. And well, a couple of other things. You can flip the battlefields. You can freeze the battlefields. Yeah, yeah People, there's... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's one dragon, the bronze dragon, so his only ability is he can flip the battlefield. His, his ability is blink. So thematically it represents the, the, the bronze dragon flies into the battlefield and bam, teleports all the dragons there somewhere else. So that's done by flipping the battlefield over. Half of the cards have a different battlefield and the same colored gem, right? So it has a different modifier. So that could help you if your opponent has the advantage on the battlefield that's currently in play. Or it could change, keep the battlefield the same, but change the color of the gem. So if your opponent is going to win because they only need one more blue gem, you can throw a bronze dragon at it and flip it, and it might turn green, and now they can't win, even if they win that battlefield. So it's got a lot of that kind of strategy in it. Um, and that's just one of the dragons and one of the different uh, abilities that, that you can employ with them. 
<laughs> well, in the, in the time we got left, sorry, Marty, but in the time we got left, let's talk about it's going on Kickstarter and also mention you got to give a shout out on the art. That's yeah, that's that's thing. that's what I was going to bring up. We got to jump to the art because to me, that's what catches your eye. If I see this this card game being uh, played at a con or a gaming group, I'm immediately going to stop and look just because of the art. It's fabulous. If if you guys have not seen it out there, please go look it up because it's great. So tell us a little bit about the con- the art concept and who did it for you. Well, the, the art is by a Turkish artist named Karim Bayat, and he was one of the inspirations uh, for the game to begin with. This dragon art is the most incredible dragon art I've ever seen in my life, and I've I've seen a lot of dragons from my D and D days. And um, when I saw it, I was like, "Oh my god, that has to be." In a, in a game, and uh, I reached out to him. This is an artist that's worked for, you know, Pathfinder and Wizards of the Coast and Lucas Arts and Disney, and I mean, he's a a top tier artist. And I reached out to him um, and uh, to see if the licenses were available, and they were. Um, and so it's going to be expensive, but it's going to be worth every penny because these dragons are incredible. They're really incredible. Um, if you haven't seen them, you can see some of them on Board Game Geek, or you can check out our Facebook page, um, uh, Draco Magi on Facebook. Uh, see a lot of the artwork there. It's just really fantastic, in my okay. opinion. Yeah. Oh, well, it is. It's gorgeous. You've got a steampunk dragon, all that good stuff. You've introduced foils. So in the time we've got left, real quick, tell us what the plan is, when it's going to hit Kickstarter. Is it going to be local retailers for those who might miss it? Just just give us that so our so our little fan base here at Rolling Dice and Taking Names has some idea of where they can get a hold of this. Well, I'm really – I mean, if you check early February, it should definitely be up on Kickstarter. I'm trying to get all the loose ends tied up right now. I'm trying to get some reviews lined up to make sure all that stuff is in place before we launch. I'm working with Cool Stuff Inc. on a lot of this stuff, on the stretch goals and the components and all that kind of thing. So I want to make sure everything is set. So we just did a podcast with uh, – all us geeks and Richard, we started talking about exclusives, and Richard might want to talk about this a little more. Um, but you know, there's this huge argument about should you have exclusives in your Kickstarter or not, and there's there's passionate arguments on both sides. And you know, Richard kind of convinced me that hey, let's let's really give this game a chance, not just for Kickstarter, but after Kickstarter. Let's improve the game. If we do well on Kickstarter, let's use that money to improve the game and not just offer Kickstarter uh, backers this extra bling and stuff that nobody else can ever get. Um, and th- I know that's going to hurt the project, right, because a lot of people won't pledge if because that's what pushes them to pledge, because they get some extra stuff that you can't get if you don't kickstart it. So we tried to think about how can we get people to push that button and pledge for the game, and I've been working with Cool Stuff, Inc. and the manufacturer very closely, and we figured out if we can print enough of these – we're going to be able to offer this game um, for $15 chipped. On wow. Yeah. <laughs> Holy so, cow. Yeah. Now, that means that we're going to have to get a 1,000 backers to do it, so it's going to be hard to do. But I think it's going to be worth it because if I offer it for $15, and this isn't a micro game, right? This is over 130 cards. This is a real game with a lot of strategy and world-class art. So I'm hoping that we can find a 1,000 people um, to, you know, to get a copy for 15 bucks. I, I think you can. And, and I guess you're talking about how, putting some out there that people want to play that you can, can build upon. Richard, are you, are you planning on expansions later on down the road if it does well enough? 
I don't think this, well, I mean, I think you probably could expand it with a few dragons, but this really isn't the big epic game that you expand, expand, expand. This is a great, small, 30-minute strategy game for two players that's beautiful to play and, and very, uh, it can be a brain burner, uh, really, with the many decisions you have between the different types of dragons and different types of attacks and all that kind of stuff. But uh, so I, I don't really see it being expanded at more than, you know, uh, maybe some additional dragons or some additional cards, so, so nothing big. But I think, the, the you know, I'm, I'm glad to hear that uh, he's not offering exclusives or doing exclusives on Kickstarter because that's where I have a problem. I personally believe that if what you're putting in the game as these giveaways, exclu- special things are valuable to the game, then they ought to be there for everybody. If they're not valuable to the game, then really, what's the point of putting them in there? So while I think you can change the price or, or you know, you get them now and they, they're not going to come out till later as an expansion pack and people have to pay extra for them, I, I'm kind of a believer in all that. So the Kickstarter people do get some kind of reward. But to make it to where nobody else can ever get this, uh, that, that to me, that just doesn't feel right from a gaming perspective. I know that's a very good point. Personally, I think any exclusives ought to be limited to people in your local play area, but that's just me. <laughs> right. And I, I know that I know you got two right here that are going to be on the Kickstarter right away. So, well, well guys, I know we've come to the end of our time. Anything else? Any other closing thoughts? And um, once again, we really do appreciate you taking time being on the show this evening. Uh, we look forward to the game, Draco Magi, and. Robert, hopefully at the gaming club that you'll let me uh, demo again so I can continue my streak of beating you. And I appreciate that. <laughs> well, hold on. Hold on. You started out there with any closing thoughts, and then we're just going to say so long. So let them have their closing thoughts, Richard. Oh, no. I wasn't going to say it that. Was I was trying Rich- to get my last dig in. Well, in my own defense, it was two against one, right? Oh, that's true. Tony yeah. and I teamed up. We, both of us uh, took turns playing. So, but, so, Richard, any last thoughts on the game or anything that you want to add? Well, I just I hope people will support it. I think that they'll find it something very interesting and very fun, and and I think they'll find it a beautiful game to put on their shelves and one to get out and show to people. So uh, I hope that uh, they'll all enjoy it. I look forward to being at Gen Con and playing it with some people, and uh, as well as some other new games I've got coming out. So it should be a, should be a fun Gen Con. And Robert. Yeah, I just appreciate you guys having us on. You know, the games have been cooking for about two years, and it's gone through a fantastic collaboration and development process between Richard and I over the past year. So, you know, I really appreciate you guys giving us a chance to to talk about it. Thanks. Well, well guys, we're, we're are extremely excited about the game. The, the art drew me in. The game mechanics will keep you playing for quite a long time. The price point is perfect at 15 bucks. I think you, you two guys have a, have a big head hit on your hand and, and you don't meet, need much luck. I think you've, you've done all the work. You don't really need a lot of luck at this point. Thanks guys. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks again for coming on guys. All right. Glad to do it. So are you guys as excited about this game as what we are? I told you it was a, it was a pretty kick-butt game. Um, like I said, Tony and I got to play it. The first thing that struck me, like I said in the interview, was the art. I, I'm a, and, it's, and like, I said, like I said in the interview, lots of times art or production will bring you over to a game, and then gameplay will keep you there. And I think this has got it both. And I couldn't agree with you more, Marty. And I guess one of the things about this, we're not one of the, we're not trying to push this Kickstarter, but we got to play it and we love our card games. Like I said, just absolutely love our card games, love our two player games. And and I mean, it was a very quick game. So, and for $15, holy cow, you got to do it. You know, it's, 
okay, you don't have to do it, but <laughs> you'd be remiss if you didn't do it. All right. Um, Robert's a great guy. Marty backed his, um, uh, he mentioned this, so a battle, battle for souls, battle for souls. Um, and so this is another one you'll be adding to your collection. I'll even be adding it because I think um, it will be a good, I think even my wife would enjoy playing this yeah. game. And the, and the fact, you know, you've got, you know, a well-known established designer and Richard Launius in there just kind of helping them tweak, you know, you know, it's good. And the fact that they spent uh, all, all over, you know, a year plus, what did I say, about two years, maybe just kind of developing and working through it. Um, it's gone through a lot of playtesting. And I think even Richard mentioned that, the fact that, uh, you know, this game has really been through a lot more uh, game testing than what a lot of companies put their own games through. Right. And, you know, so, and it was interesting to hear, I mean, there might be expansions, maybe some additional dragons, but no, not really. So that that's kind of neat. It'll be interesting to see what happens. Because uh, th- if you think about it from the land perspective or from the dragon, you could then suddenly break the game as it is if you mm-hmm. start doing those. So, uh, you know, it'll be, it'll be neat. I can't wait to get it. It looks like I, I saw, I previewed uh, Robert's Kickstarter page. And if you write $15, you're in, you'll get it um, sometime around the Gen Con timeframe, if I'm not mistaken. And if you um, pledge um, above that, I think it's like $70, you get his get one of his prototypes or something, then you can immediately play. I haven't seen the uh, yeah. this preview page yet. So, And I think uh, uh, as of right now, I think he's still shooting for, I think, like you said, the Kickstarter page has been approved. He just needs to get a few more ads and, and whatnot set up. And I think it's still early February. We're recording this on uh, January 24th. So probably about a week and a half, two weeks, we'll see it. Yeah, and hopefully you'll get to see a quote from us, maybe, we hope. We're crossing our fingers, get our names out there on Kickstarter. That's kind of cool. Right. Hey, <laughs> just put that as another achievement unlocked for Rolling Dice, and, rolling dice and taking name. Um, I will say, though, as we get ready to close this out, um, we do apologize for some of the, uh, the recording quality of that. This is our first time that we've ever interviewed somebody and used Skype. So we had to use uh, some third-party soft- software to record the conversation. And, you know, typically we like to have a multi-track recording. So uh, that's why it sounded like it was more like on, on a phone. It was, it was not a technical issue or anything on our end or anything like that. It's just that, that's, that was the easiest way to get it set up. All of us got on Skype, I pressed record, and we were off and running. So hopefully it wasn't too distracting. And, and I, when I listened to it, Marty, after you put it all together, I was kind of surprised. It didn't sound that bad. No, it didn't. So, I mean, it was decent. So um, from from that standpoint, hopefully, you know, if you have any questions, please post at our guild on um, BGG, happy to answer them. Or we'll definitely go over there to check out Robert Burke's uh, got a Facebook page for. Uh, oh, he's got. A, he, I think he's got a uh, game page, uh, he, guild he, page on BGG for the game. He, he does now. Good. Yes. Okay. I know he. Or you know, it's coming. So I'm. Sure. If it's not, it'll be there really soon. Yeah. He's definitely got the Facebook page. Yeah, right. Because we've been on that for a while. He's doing a lot of previews, and like we mentioned in the last episode. One of his art things, he's got the spinning box. It's really cool GIF, but anyway. Um, okay, it's flashy. I like it. And the dragons are metal, and the foil just, oh, okay, hurry up. Get here, Gen Con. <laughs> so, anyway. Anyway, so you guys go check it out. 15 bucks. Uh, you you kind of heard our thoughts on it, and um, it, it's definitely worth looking at for, for that price. It's, it's almost... It's one of those things where if there's a game I'm interested in, it's only $15. To me, it's worth the risk. I did it with Dungeon Roll and Coup and several other games. I haven't been disappointed yet. 
Completely agree. I've got the money saved up. I'm backing it without any doubt. All right, so let's talk a little bit about what happened in the past two weeks since our last podcast. Marty had the opportunity to go to a local convention down in Columbia, South Carolina, while I got to attend a college tour at Alabama Roll Tide. Roll Tide. Roll Tide. Uh, do you know they, that's all they everything they say the end of sentence it says roll tide <laughs> so anyway and um the funny story my wife broke the toilet in the hotel room i had to valve it out the b- hotels were all booked yeah i know you're looking at me like you got to be kidding me it was hilarious so many jokes so, so many, many jokes, jokes. <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't it wouldn't cut off so you'd have we had to take the tank oh. off and when she pulled the plunger up so many people had done it the little screw that pushes down on the stop valve on yeah. the um thing that sticks up uh, technical, technical terms, technical terms. <laughs> sorry for you plumbers out there you know what i'm saying but anyway it went shooting across the bathroom and i hear this tony and she's out down there valving it out because it's overflowing Oh, it was hilarious. It was absolutely That's hilarious. Funny. That is funny. But anyway, so while Marty was at Scarab playing games and I was doing plumbing in a hotel, what'd you get to do, man? I spent basically two days of just solid gaming. We got there Friday night and played a few games and basically Saturday morning hooked up with some some guys that were there, some guys from the game club, some people from the family. We basically grabbed a table and went from like eight in the morning to eleven at night. Nice. It was awesome travis my middle son is on the pathfinder so he just disappeared for like eight hours he did rpgs and was just in heaven doing that and i got to play so many different things i you know it's a lot of stuff i've played before uh dominari got to play that again that's a lot of fun okay uh, i've i don't even know what that one it's is it's the tempest game oh the tempest, uh, the tempest game, right? game it's it's an area control game and i typically don't like area control right. but i like this one um lords of Waterdeep got to play that expansion again a lot of fun um, Rise of Augustus, Coup, you know, just things you bring out the table. But the things I played that were kind of different, I haven't played before. Uh, one was Bruges, okay. the Stefan Feld game that was uh, nominee last year for the Spiel des Jars for it was one, one of the categories right. that was up for. I really enjoyed that. The whole concept is is you're trying to um, finish off some canals and build buildings and put people in the building. Well, the goal is to collect victory points. Shock. Shock. Um, but I, I really liked it. Uh, some people may say it's not a true Euro because there's card drawing in it and some dice rolls and there's a little bit of randomization. But actually, Whatever. I know, I actually kind of like this better. And, and me and another guy were talking about the fact that in a strict Euro game, uh, Agricola, Puerto Rico, you know, you can almost come in and say, okay, I know to win. I need to almost play like this, you know, A, B, C, and D to t- do the best you can. Yeah. When there's just a tad of randomness, you got to think on your feet. I like that. I, I mean, you know how it's like, I got a plan. Ooh, something didn't work out the way I thought it was. How fast can I adjust to, to adjust to what just happened? Okay. How fast can I adjust to adjust to what happened? That was, that's great. But anyway, that's what this game is because you're drawing some cards and based on some colors of cards that you got, you have to, to build buildings a certain color and it, there's some workers you have to collect and use workers to pay workers to buy, make buildings and pay money to put guys in buildings and the guys give you special abilities it's just a kind of a really cool game. I really highly recommend trying it sometime. It's, it's straightforward, easy to learn. And it's been sold out at Cool Stuff and Miniature Market and all those places for a yeah. while. So it's it's very popular. You heard a lot of people talk about it yep. at the end of 2013 when it came out. I, so. I see why, because it was really good. Another game I got to try was um, a Dread Curse. Have you heard about that? Yes, yeah, it was actually, if you listen to our Gen Con episode, I talked to Melanie. Yes. Interviewed her about Dread. That was fun. Okay. Is, isn't that by, which, what was 
Drake card. It's the one about the coins and yeah. Um, so uh, you're you're um, you pick a role as a pirate on a pirate ship. Mm-hmm. And based on what that role is, you get to do something. Mm-hmm. It's almost like it reminded me of Citadels a lot. I don't know if you've ever played that, but it's the same sort of deal where you you draft a a player or a um a a character and you get to do something. And the goal is to collect coins, collect money over time. You can steal coins, give uh, give coins away. There's there's coins that have uh, bad things on them, like minus points and. Whatever the whole goal is in the game is to have the most points, but it is a quick, fun game. Um, your neighbors and family may like that one. You might want to check that one out. Yeah, it's by Smirk and Dagger Games. I talked to Melanie about that. So the, yeah, so yeah, I know exactly which one. That was the one that, um, if I remember correctly, uh, Z from Dice Tower. He he really yes. enjoyed that game. Yeah. So, but the one I really want to hear about that we've never—it's an old game. Everybody talks about. Co-op with a trader, Battlestar Galactica. Yes. What do you think of it? So it's one of these things, and I know this is going to be a surprise to a lot of people. Tony and I have never played Battlestar Galactica. It's at our game club all the time. It's played a lot. I just never got to sit down at the table when it was being played. We love our co-ops. And always, it's so funny. When when it first came out, I was very like, this ain't going to be any good because anything with an established IP stinks. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, they're going to take a bad game throw uh, you know IP on it and try to sell it. Oh, CryptoZark. <laughs> <coughs> anyway. Um, <laughs> Moving on. Sorry. Uh, so uh, here we go. So it, it is a co-op game, and, and, as most people know, and we had uh, five people playing, and uh, five, cards are, five cards are dealt out at the beginning of the game, and um, there's, there were two. There's, there's ten cards total, Two of them are Cylons. Hand out five cards. You see what you are, and you play like that. Obviously, if you're a Cylon, you're, you're faking it, acting like a human. The whole goal is to take Battlestar and make several jumps and try to get to Earth. Did, okay. you, did you watch the TV show? I watched the old one, and I got um, halfway through the revamp, And because when they made it to that planet, I lost complete and total interest and didn't finish watching it. So did you get by the point where you find out that there are spoiler alert. Yes. Spoiler yeah, alert. You need to spoil it. Yes. I did get by you, beyond that point where yes. humans were yes. revealed. Yes. Well, yes. that's important to the game. Okay. So, um, no, I lost, totally lost my train of thought. Oh yeah. But, so, so, so you, you get the, and you, and you play like that. Like I said, the goal is, and you've got Raider ships that are trying to shoot you down. And during your turn, you try to navigate the ship. You try to send fighters out to, to shoot the Cylons. Um, if they do damage to the ship, you need to get over there and help repair it, whatnot. Um, and each time at the end of your turn, you turn over, it's, it's like some sort of task that you must complete. And there must be so many points contributed to this task in order to successfully complete it. Well, if you're a Cylon, you can interject cards that would help hurt that. It, there's, there's different color cards and they have point values on them. And like to say, the task is 13 and it can accept red and blue cards. Any red and blue card you put in adds towards that 13 total. Anything that's not is a negative. Okay. So the Cylon can throw in non-red and blue or blue and green cards, and it'll hurt their points. That's how they sabotage it. Um, So here we go. So you go through half of the game, and then just like in the TV show, when it's revealed that some of the humans are Cylons, you deal out the last five cards. Okay. So if you are human, you may be dealt a Cylon card, and all of a sudden you got to switch. Okay. Which I thought is a really cool dynamic. So now you're trying to help the humans. And all of a sudden, oh, now I got to try to um, keep them from getting to the planet. So, so make sure, because we haven't played it. So what if you were a Cylon at the beginning? 
you stay a Cylon the entire game. Once you're a Cylon, you don't go back to human. Once a Cylon, always a Cylon. Once a Cylon, always a Cylon. So here we are. So um, I texted, tweeted this out. I actually was a Cylon. I did not want to be. Started out as a Cylon because I didn't understand how to play the game. And I remember one of the guys telling me the first time he played, he was a Cylon. And the the bad thing to that was he kept wanting to look at the rules, and it would gave himself away on what he was because it's like, why do you want to look at the rules? Because Oh, he's a Cylon. So anyway, so I was like, okay, well, just try to play along and just see if you can figure this out as you go. So we get to the round where more cards are dealt out and cards are dealt out and then people start playing. And and one of the guys kind of starts acting like a Cylon. I thought, okay, he must have got one. And uh, so other people out him out. Oh, you're a Cylon, you're a Cylon. Uh, once you're outed, you can say, you can reveal yourself, I'm a Cylon. And when you do, you get some special abilities. Um, so he did that. Well, then the funny thing, another guy started acting like he was a Cylon. And I was really, really confused. So I kind of pulled up my car and looked and said, yeah, I'm a Cylon. And so somebody else outed him, outed him I'm a Cylon. And then all of a sudden, the humans just lost the game like that. And it was like, everybody's, Oh, that was a good game. And guys, I said, guys, I'm kind of confused. And I held up my card and it was like, they looked to the guy who set up the game. Go, you idiot. You handed out three sideline cards. There's only supposed to be two. So we play for two hours incorrectly. Well, isn't that how it is sometimes, you know, (laughs) but we got a good laugh out of it. It was like, well, no wonder the humans didn't have a shot. It was basically three against two at that point. Aside from that, it is a great game. I haven't, uh, the mechanics of the game fit the TV show perfectly, perfectly. Everything you do is built around, you're trying to, uh, you got this big ship and you're trying to uh, protect the colony ships from being attacked and you got to uh, last long enough to rev up your FTLs to, to make a jump and the Cylons are chasing after you and you got ones that are working against you. Thematically, it worked better than I ever thought it would. So I don't know how you feel about co-op games with the potential traitor inside of it. If you like that, you, you may want to give it a shot. All right. So with that, rank your, where does it go in your favorite co-op games? Well, it's different because it has that betrayal element. It's not a pure co-op. Okay. Because there will be somebody that turns against you. So it's, it's more of the a betrayal of House on the Hill. Okay. Or, you know, that, that type of game where, where somebody can turn against you. So I thought it was good. I would, I would rank it differently than one that's a pure co-op like Robinson Crusoe. Or Pandemic or anything. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I would. Well, cool. it, was, it was a fun experience playing like that. Was Moppet in it? The little doggy? Wasn't that the name no, of the... he wasn't. You saw enough of it. He wasn't in that. Okay, not in the new one, but wasn't he in the old if one? If he was, I wish he'd been a Cylon. That'd been funny. Yeah. So anyway. Okay. So Speaking yeah. of Robinson Crusoe. Speaking of Robinson Good lead in. Excellent. Way to go there. So as you heard on the last show, I got my Robinson Crusoe, Crusoe uh, game, opened it up, set it up for my wife and our two neighbors, and we sat down and played it. And... I, first off, ruined their experience before they even started because I said it was as good as Pandemic. Well, Pandemic is their go-to, excellent, incredible, this is the game of all games. Oh, boy, you set it up. I set it up. Raise the bar. Raise the bar. That was a mistake. So anyway, and I explained the rules. And once again, and I'll admit, and I know this, and you hear this all the time from other podcasts and from anybody who talks to you about, explaining rules is an art. I, I agree. Care. I don't care who you are trying to get people to understand and do it. You can oversimplify. You can 
overcomplicate rules. <clears throat> I mean, Robinson Crusoe. It's real simple. I mean, you've got the event phase. You've got the determination phase. You've got the planning phase. You've got the action phase. You've got the weather phase. And you've got the night phase. That is it. But, but think about it as somebody who, granted, they, they've played a lot of games with you, but you wouldn't consider them hardcore gamers, right? I mean, there's only a handful of games they've played. Right. So for somebody who's played a lot of games, you understand, okay, you understand when a game has phases, I understand what a phase is, and then you can learn pretty quickly. So that probably was – and then, you know, the board's intimidating. The board I is, said that I, well, from yeah. starting out. Yeah, the board is. And, I mean, it's from the standpoint I looked at I mean, you know, I'm like, okay, in Pandemic, you know, you've got these four things you can do, all these actions. You've got a two-sided card. Here, you got two discs. You can go do these other actions. I said you can make two choices. You can either ensure a success or roll the dice. Well – Let's just say that as we went through it, um, first off, we never got to pull the treasure cards, which floored my wife because it was a deck of cards we never got to draw from. The other thing that was kind of unusual was the event cards. I said, and I, this was my mistake, I meant to say for all, uh, of all the cards, some do have good effects to them. Right. Well, they meant, thought I was talking about the event cards. There's never a good, of No. Right. Well, I mean, that's the whole thing. You want to assure that you succeed, right? Because you have to flip in one of those cards. It's probably going to be bad. Right. And they said, well, what's the strategy? And I said, well, we're doing the mission where you collect the wood, the very first one. Everybody's familiar with that. And I'm like, well, they go, well, what's the strategy? I go, well, the strategy is we got to get some wood to win the game. That's the ultimate goal. And I said, but we need to build a shelter. We need to build some items to help us or in, tools, in, in, tools, yeah, whatever. Uh, we need to put a roof over our heads. We got to get the palisades up because by, you know, this round, here come the animals, here comes the bad weather. We're trying to fight off all this. And, and as I was going, starting to say this, it was just like a blank look came over all three faces. And I'm like, this is doomed. Absolutely doomed. So I, at that point, I said, okay, so the dog is now in play. So we got, we put the dog on the board. Oh, said, you should have put it in play for me first. I know. Well, I, we never, we, before we started, I said, oh, and by the way, a dog was on the boat. And of course, my wife goes, oh, we took a dog on a boat. I'm like, yes, we took the dog on the boat and he's here to help us. He can hunt and he can explore. And they said, okay, we, we kind of sort of understand. And I said, all right. And then on the, since it was four players, you're supposed to put down either you get the two determination or you increase the morale track. Mm -hmm. or it's the or, not the and. I said, we're going to keep it an and. Mm -hmm. So we won. Y'all won? We won under protest. Oh. Because I screwed up when we rolled the weather dice. I kept forgetting to take the clouds into account against the roof. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right, and uh -huh. and the and how you have to discard, um, you know, and I forget. I'd have to go back, but I wasn't doing that f faction right, so I made it a lot easier than it should have been, and we won, which was good, because they're willing to try it again. Oh, that's good. Had they lost miserably, which we would have, they wouldn't play it again, mm. and I would probably have it up on ebay but anyway <laughs> after, after all that work you got you know to get it at a good price yes and miniature market sent me an email and said they were back in stock what I are they selling it for there 79.99 wow you did get a good well, 55 right 55 so i was so hopefully we'll get it back on the table again and you and i'll get to play it because i i will go through every one of those scenarios how many scenarios are there i 
oh, I think, isn't there an eight? I can't remember. Sure. I can't remember. Like I said, I've only played the one scenario so far, and I've yet to f- win it. You've won it. I have not. Well, you, you said well. You said you won under protest. Under but protest, because yeah, we, we 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 froze to death. Um, so again, but other than that, you know, and the gathering of wood and the gathering of food and the exploring, and they were like, wow, there's. I think what floored them was even though you only have those two actions, mm-hmm. there's so many options. Sure. Yeah. What's the best option? Yeah. But they quickly got on. You have to explore in order to build these things. Right. All right. And so that. that it, uh, to me, it is still a, a great game. I'm glad I got it. I can't wait to play it again. So, you know, that was our gaming. Oh, oh, one last thing. <laughs> Even while you were at Scarab, the next day um, on Sunday, my daughter's friend that's a boy came over to the house. <laughs> you just don't want to say boyfriend, do you? <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's, a, it's from Big Bang. He's now the boyfriend. Um, anyway, he came over and a friend, uh, came over with him and they, they've seen all my games. Right. And they said, we've got to play games. Right. I said, wait a minute. I said, so Rebecca, let me understand this. These gentlemen want to come over to the house and play games with me. And she goes, yeah, it's weird, isn't it? I said, no, it's awesome. We played Small World, Rise of Augustus, Gravwell. Wow. Um, Soro and, um. I think there was one other small world. I got waxed. Um, mm. The first guy, um, he was able to get troll. Um, I forget what it was. Um, the berserker, some the trolls, and he was able to also, he got coins for every land he controls. And you know the trolls put up the fortress. So a troll in a fortress, I mean, it's hard to kill. Mm-hmm. It's hard to defeat the trolls out. And so, but he, he came in first and he was really enjoying it. Oh, and we played pandemic only four epidemics and we easily won that cause I didn't want to turn them off. So, wow. so I had a game day a as lot. well. Yeah. And I actually recorded my gameplays. So there nice. We go. Yeah. nice. Did you get your gameplays recorded? I did. In fact, that's how I got this list of all the games I played at Scarab and went back onto BGG and pulled them up. You still in love with Koo? Uh, well, yeah, it's just a quick filler game. It's yeah. good. Okay. It's a good game. All right, so what else? We got a few more minutes left on the show here. What else we got? Uh, well, I think uh, we want to talk about a, a couple Kickstarters. One I want to talk about. Uh, well, we've uh, been talking about one Kickstarter all. Yeah, okay, there's another one. There's no. We got a preview of a game um, at the end of last year uh, from a designer, um, Scott Alms. And it's Tiny Epic Kingdoms. Now, this Kickstarter is currently going on. And by the time this podcast comes out, there's probably only going to be a week to 10 days left. But I have gotten to play this game uh, twice now. And what intrigued me about it is that it is, I hate to say a micro game. I guess some people call it a micro game, but it's basically a 4X type game that's played in 30 to 45 minutes. Now, you know, know, 4X Twilight Imperium type deal, right? I'm ready to go. Okay, so... I thought, how in the world can you take a game like that and stick it in 30 to 45 minutes? So I got to play this past weekend at Scarab and then also at the game club. So I've played it a couple times. He did a really good job. A really good job. There's It can play um, two to four players. And everybody is given a card with that has a, a little map on it. And it's color-coded. And I'm each, looking each, at a piece of paper. You see it? it? Yes, I see it. Okay. And each one of these represents a type of resource. Red is ore, green's magic, and uh, yellow is food. If you have one of your little worker, one of your little cubes on there, when you collect resources, you get that type of resource. Okay. Food is used for putting more workers out. 
Um, red is for building levels on the tower, which give you victory points. Okay. And green is for mana, which you spend to move up your magic track. Every you, there's a bunch of different races that you can choose from, and each one is different. And what makes them different is that is that magic track. As you move up, you get special abilities. So as you play the game, you have to coordinate of making sure you have enough resources to get new workers out there to to uh, be able to uh, explore. Oh, one thing I really like about it is there's this whole action card, an action selection card. So on your turn, there is, if the card was empty, there are six actions to choose from. It can be like, I want to research to, to learn more magic. I want to build a level on a tower. I want to expand or, or, or patrol, move my cube on my on one section of my card to another section of my card. Or you want to... Um, or you want to move to somebody else's card, Quest. You actually take one of your cubes and move them to somebody else's card. Okay. And um, so when you take that action, everybody else can take the following action or choose to collect resources. And that cube stays on that card until there are five cubes on there. And then the card is cleared. All right. So I'm with you. So, uh, so basically, if, if we were to play with four other people, I'd put a cube on, then you, and so around, and then I'd be the last one to put the fifth cube on. And after that, the card clears, and the next person gets his whole choice. Okay. And, but the person who goes can't collect resources. He must select one of these, the one who's, who the active player is. So that's the kind of unique thing about it. And then you just track, you, everybody has a card where you can track the amount of resources you, you have from one to nine. So the, what's, another, what's different or hadn't talked about yet is how you fight. If you take one of your cubes and move it to a location where somebody else has a cube, you go into a fight, a battle. And what you do is you cover your card and you're going to take one of your resources and put it on a number one through nine. Whoever has put the, uh, and you're going to spend resources to, to pay for that value. So, for example, every ore counts as one, every magic counts as two. So if I bid six, I can spend three magic or six ore or two magic, two ore. It just has to equal six. Food doesn't count in, in battles unless you have the faction where food does count. So you put it on there and you reveal it. Whoever has the highest gets that space. Okay. Or you can say, let's let's go in peace. Let's let's cohabitate. And if you leave your cube off the card when you show it, you cohabitate and you both get to stay in the same place. But of course, somebody could screw you over and say, yeah, yeah, I'll be a friend and actually bid to war and then, and then beat you. But that costs resources to do so. It's like playing in a negotiation card and um, yes. cosmic encounter. Yes. Ah, I'm with you. I'm with so, you. So um, that's pretty much it. So it covers all the 4X thing, and it's very light. It plays quick, and I immediately backed it. Well, all right. Well, I can't wait for you to get your copy so I can borrow it. I like that. I like how this works. It's only six, I believe it's only $16. Ooh, that's at the price point. And it's blown through every single stretch goal there is. Now we're talking about really nice color cards, extra faction, special uh, die for doing the bidding with. Instead of cubes, each cube is now shaped like the type of resource that it is, so you can easily remember it. So they're really going all out. And I think it's supposed to be out around Gen Con also. It's by a company called uh, Gamelin Games. Mm -hmm. And the people I played with, most people liked it. Some people immediately went and backed it. There's only one person that says he thought it was pretty good. But all it does is give him the itch to want to play something that's a little more in-depth, like an Eclipse. He says, if I want to play 4X, I want to go into it and play a real 4X. And I'm like, see, that intimidates me. The idea of sitting down and playing eight-hour Twilight Imperium oh. or four-hour Eclipse, it's like, 
but I can get kind of the same feel with a 30 to 45 minute game, I'll do that. I like, yeah, I'm going, uh, well, I will definitely, I mean, you've got the um, prototype here that, that, and that's pretty cool. So it sounds very interesting. I'll definitely have to go check that one out. I mm-hmm. like that. Um, and what was it? Oh, I was going to ask you about that. Camelot Games. Um, that For some odd reason, that company seems familiar, but I couldn't find anything else on them. I, is that his company? No, Gamelin. Gamelin. Gamelin Games. Gamelin Games. Oh, Gamelin Games. I'm sorry. I see a uh, little It does look like Camelot. I'm, I'm showing him a, a printout of the rules and, and the, uh, oh, the logo does logo. look like it says yeah, Camelot. He's, got, he's holding a little um, palm yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, that's kind of cool. Uh, speaking of Kickstarter, um, Marty and I received our um, futuristic coins from Minion Games. They look very nice. How long has that been? Uh, I checked. I cleaned out all my emails. Um, we backed it in, I believe, April mm-hmm. of 2013. So, all my Kickstarters from 2013 have come in. I'm very happy about that. Because the last big one came in. Eminent Domain. Escalation. Escalation. That's right. We can't wait to get that one to the I haven't table. haven't played it yet. Yep. Well, I haven't even opened the box yet. So. I opened it and looked and went, oh. Have, have you seen where people are saying that in 2014, they're going to play every game they have on their shelf, and if they don't, yep. it's out? Yep. Um, I actually thought that's not a bad idea because I mentioned somebody that's that's almost a good charity event. Oh, if you yeah. don't play the game, donate the game to charity. Yeah. Um, real quick, Marty, I did want to touch base on a Kickstarter we mentioned last episode. It's the one that's coming. It'll be by the time this comes out, it'll go. I think it goes live on the thirty first, and that is from Clay Crucible Games. Michael, I'll screw it up, and he's told me don't worry about it. Icini um, Otters. We talked about it. It's really good kids game. Well, my 18-year-old daughter and her friend that's a boy um, played it the other night, and it was hilarious watching them play this. I'm like, they kept saying, oh, this is a kid's game, but I've never seen two teenagers be so competitive, and, and really the strategy was there. It took them 10 minutes. They loved it. I'm like, really? And they're like, oh, yeah, if he was not leaving, we would play again. Well, my daughter's very competitive, and she lost. Therefore, she was not happy about that. And But still, um, when this comes out, guys, he's he's got a – he'll get the Kickstarter going. I believe he's going around $12 for one deck. It's good for two players, and you can go and not add $9 and get two decks for four players. If he gets, a, a, I don't know, I think it's around $6,000, he'll have custom illustrations. He'll up the illustrations and things like that. And at $12,000, he will get a better box is what he's talking about. He hasn't set those in stone yet. But, guys, give otters. I played it again, and it is. It is it's a really cute strategy game. And uh, that's another one I think that if you just take it, if you got young kids, you know, seven years old, it would be a great way to get them into the game. And um, that's about it on the Kickstarter. Um, anything else that we've been seeing out there that we're interested in? I mean, uh, no, I'm afraid to look because I'm afraid I'll spend more money. So I, I'm, I'm kind of good right now. We know we got Draco Magi coming out soon. So so that's that's coming out. And there's a lot of stuff getting restocked, uh, uh, mm-hmm. uh, cool stuff. Um, tonight, later, I'll be um, buying Hanabi. Beyond. Oh yeah, I did saw see that was uh yeah, it's it's reasonable ten dollars now versus the forty dollars it was going for on Amazon wow. or something because it was sold out. Uh, that was <laughs> we got our cheap uh, X wing. Oh, I was going to mention that. Go ahead, go ahead. That's unreal. You well, well, I don't. Know. I mean, this was kind of out there. I saw another um, show uh, mention. Hey, I just went out to Target and got uh, Star Wars X wing miniatures on clearance for twelve dollars. I was like, what? So I started spreading the word. 
you you said you would look and and my brother-in-law said he wanted to look and like within 30 minutes of each other I got a text from each of you going I just bought four copies I'm like whoa <laughs> well well you bought four copies because you said how many do you want and I happened to be at Scarab and a couple guys said there I'll take a copy somebody else said they'll take a copy uh, my brother-in-law just said well I just want a few copies to give out to friends so we got home and we went to Target and they had two and I picked them up so that's yeah like you tweeted it's 10 copies and all I did was I looked at it like this. There's another thing that I've just added to my OCD. Oh, look at that miniature. Look <laughs> at that one. So, and, you know. Well, there's, hey. there's a guy that I was uh, scared with that, that uh, plays the game. And he said, this is no brainer. He said, the dice are $7 alone. And it's just good having an extra set of dice. Oh, yeah. Well, the guy behind me in Target, he said, he goes, wait a minute. I go, what? He said, you just bought four copies of that game for the same price. I purchased my one copy. Yeah. And he goes, where are they? And I go, well, they're back on the um, seasonal clearance aisle uh, back there. And he says, I've got to debate this. And so I left the store. And then you text me and say, why don't you pick up a couple more? But that's all right. I haven't gone back and looked. But that's fine. You know, there was another one on there. The Hollywood version of Fact or Crap was also on sale for $5. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> I almost picked it up as, as a, uh, another you know, gag gift you know, from, from, from that standpoint. I'm like, I had Fact or Crap, the original version, and it, my wife hated it. I loved it. So anyway, I had to get rid of it because no one would play it with me. But anyway, what else we got? Anything else? No, I think that... Ooh, we're long. Yeah, yeah, we're about 15 minutes over, so let's go ahead and wrap this bad boy up. Okay, I was just thinking, is, oh, uh, next episode, very special. We hinted at it, Marty and I. We're going to talk about two-player games again. We'll be going through a lot of assuming that. Assuming we get together and play the two-player games we want to play. Uh, we got to make that work. I'm assuming that is tonight after the video. You got another table? <laughs> yeah, well, no, it's not that. It's like it's... Uh, yeah, we might be able to do that. Hey, Looking I've only been up since 3.45 did, did you, this morning. Did you, I took a nap. <laughs> did you read the rules of the game that you got? I'm yes. not saying what it is. Yes, and I watched the um, uh, how-to on YouTube. So are we going to like it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, shoot. <laughs> I mean, there's a simple me- mechanic in it that you probably won't like. But, okay. But it, it could work. And then, of course, um, it, it's a well, well, we'll talk about it in two weeks. So, guys. Uh, appreciate you listening. As always, go out to the BGG and take the, check the forums for the At The Table. We have two going right now um, for you to respond to. Be sure to get them in. If you don't understand, then join the rest of the club, what I'm trying to get you to do. Um, other than that, what else we got, Marty? I just got one more thing yep. I want to say before we sign off. Um, this has come up, and I just want to let people oh, I, I, yeah, I, I want to clarify point. something. Well, I don't, how, what do you think I'm going to say? You're going to talk about the Dice Tower um, Kickstarter. You know? Yes. So we've been talking about Kickstarter. So you know uh, right now the Dice Tower itself is doing a, basically, well, a Kickstarter, a fundraiser type thing. And there has been some misconception in that whatever those guys get, meaning Tom, Eric, and, and some of the other guys in his company, I'll just call it a company for now, that they give out that money also to the contributors and podcasts on the network. That is not the case. None of the shows on the, uh, the network get any of that. So when you're contributing to that, you're not 
contributed to any of the shows. And the reason why I mention that is because there's several other podcasts that are currently trying to write, do their own fundraisers uh, in order to have money to, to run their websites and shows and whatnot. And I think people have been saying, well, you're trying to double dip. You're going to get something from the Dice Tower, then we're supposed to give you something else. That's not the case at all. Everybody, every show is autonomous. The only thing that we get to do is basically have our show listed on their website and we get to be regular contributors, but that's really all we get from it. So uh, don't feel like somebody's trying to hose you over for money because that's not the case. If there is another show raising money, it's because that's the only uh, way to, that they're going to get it. Right. And trust us, we will probably not do any type of Kickstarter to raise money. Mar- Marty and I just, this is an excellent opportunity for two friends. Like we say, just get together and talk about uh, things we love of board gaming and things. Oh, I just hit the box. For yeah, that mic. was probably pretty loud. Yeah, so. that was so for you. We'll see. Anyway. Oh, thanks. You're welcome. <laughs> so anyway, don't just, oh, if you haven't gone out and um, sponsored the Dice Tower Kickstarter, you get, give it a look. I, I did because I, I I want those tokens. You want the tokens. I want the four poker chips. That's like slow player or whatever. You know. Yeah, I'm with you there. Um, so other than that, um, guys, thanks for listening. And until next time, keep rolling dice and taking names. Be sure to follow Rolling Dice and Taking Names on their Twitter at Dice and Names, and also where's the website? Where oh, it's at RollDiceTakeNames.com. Also, subscribe to their guild on Board Game Geek. Well, welcome back to Rolling Dice and Taking Names, a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. This is episode 301. Whoa, mess that one up. Try again. <laughs>